0: Morning. This one working? Okay. Make sure something didn't get blown up here. That was exciting, yes. I would have loved to have watched uh, Chris got up and went to close the windows on their vehicle. And about the time, I understand, he was walking out that door over there, that big bolt of lightning that everybody heard hit. And I hear he jumped about this high. And uh, so, anyway, I would just enjoyed seeing that. Romans chapter 3. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I pointed out a few weeks ago as we we're going through here that Paul looks at salvation, and he uses three different words here to describe salvation and particular aspects of it. He uses the term justified, which we've spoken of as a legal declaration. It's a legal term. It is God declaring something. He's declaring you righteous, not righteous in your own right, but he's attributing righteousness the righteousness of Christ to you. He's imputing it to you and to me, who are in Christ. Today, and and we're looking today at this word redemption. What does that word mean? What does it mean to redeem? What does it mean to be redeemed? What are the implications of this thinking? And I think it's important to look at these three words because Paul's going to be unloading them and unpacking them throughout this letter, one way or the other. And then lastly, he uses a word, propitiation. Propitiation, which speaks of our substitute and how he absorbed the wrath that you and I deserved. The wrath needed somewhere to go, and it was poured out on Christ. Some people are going to experience the wrath of God. Those who do not trust in Him and repent of their sins will experience the wrath of God. I'm so glad that I won't. I'm so glad that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That makes me very happy. I'm so thankful that Jesus took it. But today I want us to run on this thought found in verse 24. In verse 20, uh, the previous verses, he speaks of the righteousness of God being manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe there's no distinction for all who believe whether they be Jew whether they be Gentile that's what that means it's been the context of what he's been doing throughout the last couple of chapters laying out that there is no distinction all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all of us it's the bad news And apart from Christ, there's no hope. So he tells us this, there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared righteous by his grace as a gift. It's free. It's free. We look at this and we see that this justified by his grace as a gift, through. Greek, dia, through. It comes through this. It comes through the price being paid. That's what redemption is. It comes through Christ Jesus. He's the only one who could pay the price, and he willingly did. So what does it mean when it says, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus? How did the gift get paid for? Through the redemption, through the price being paid. We're looking at the atonement. We're looking at that Christ atoned for our sins. We're actually looking at one part of that, a different part of it next week. You know, years ago, 20-something years ago, I uh, started a few different ministries that reached people that nobody else was reaching. Nobody else was going to. Some of them were in slums, some of them were in drug houses. Some of them were in prison. And it wasn't the prisoners that we started a ministry for. it was for those who guard them. I had never been in a prison before. not for lack of trying, okay? but I had never been in a prison before. And we had a warden at Cofield who was a member of our church, and he said, "Come on out, I want to walk you through. I want you to talk to some of these." correctional officers so I did I won't go into all that ministry and everything I'm just giving you a reason why I was in a prison and I went in there and I started walking through and all these people were in a line and just in case they couldn't form a line on their own there was a yellow line running right down the hallway okay They were supposed to get on that yellow line. They were directed to do everything that they did. They were granted permission to do everything that they did. They didn't go freely, all of them. Some of them were in maximum security, but they were said, told get on that line. They weren't allowed outside the walls. They were prisoners. They were paying a price. They were guilty of something, and there they were being told what to do. I came to the conclusion very easily, I'd never need to get put in here because I wouldn't get on that yellow line very easily. That's just kind of the rebel that I am. Now get on that yellow line. You get on that yellow line. I would see me now. I'd spend all my time in a cell by myself, you know. They were prisoners. They were being led about and permitted to do only what those who were leading them about could do. Prisoners. And that's what you and I were. Some of you still are prisoners to sin. Captive. Can't break out, can't get out. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That word ransom is redemption. It's a ransom to be paid to set prisoners free. I want you to consider few things today as we talk about redemption that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, I think it's important for us to understand the four needs we have that the death of Christ meets. Four needs that we have that the death of Christ meets. Next, I want us to look at the price that has been paid. And lastly, I want us to consider that the power of sin has been broken. First, four needs we have that the death of Christ meets. One, we deserve death as the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death. We earn it, all right? People talk about the things that they deserve. This is what you deserve. This is what I deserve. This is what everybody deserves. And how does Christ meet that need? Sacrifice. He who did not know sin, what did he do? He became sin for us. He willingly laid his life down for us. Sacrifice. We deserve the death penalty. He didn't, but he willingly gave himself up and sacrificed himself. Secondly, we deserve God's wrath against us. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve to die. And some will die a death that will be eternal. And they will be receiving the wrath of God that those who are in Christ won't receive. I I always have to say that just to keep myself from getting depressed, okay? I got to remember that's not mine. I don't get that wrath. Isn't that great? Because Jesus meets the need there. He bore it. He took it. He took my sin. And he satisfied the wrath of God on the cross. Next is that we are separated from God by our sins. The need that we have is to be drawn near, but we can't come near because our sin separates us from the living God. I meant to tell you it's propitiation that helps us out with the wrath of God. I had to go back to that. But the separation from God, he calls that later on in Romans reconciliation. We once were enemies. And now we have come to have peace with God. How so? Through the justification of God. He has reconciled us and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul writes. The last need is is that we're in bondage to sin and Satan. We're followers before Christ of the prince of the power of the air. We are bound to him, and we know no other. Slaves to sin, the scripture says. But Christ sets us free. It's this last one that I want to talk about, and the first one. Next week, we'll talk about the second one. Last week, we spoke of the third one. These are four needs that we have that Christ meets in the work of the cross. Let's look at that price that has been paid. It says here that those who fall short of the glory of God are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus Hey, moms, happy Mother's Day. Did y'all get a really sweet gift? Huh? Yeah? Some of y'all are going, okay, all right, some, some of y'all, it's coming, okay? It's maybe this afternoon, right? Gina was on the Amazon account when I ordered her Mother's Day gift. So I ordered it, and I said, Happy Mother's Day. And she looked down, boop, there was, you know. That's not very you know, surprising or anything. Look, there's a lot. Okay, never mind. A gift. You get a gift. Somebody has to pay for the gift. It's received as a gift. It's by His grace as a gift. God's giving something. On what basis? On the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's the payment. Uh, let's look at this for a moment. It says through the redemption that is in Christ. the term redemption originally comes from the practice of paying a price for prisoners of war <coughs> pardon me outside of, uh, of scripture the Greek uh, word speaks of those who were prisoners of war those who uh, had, had fought and in order to redeem them they had to pay a price to those who held them captive. And they were released. They were set free. It's where the language of ransom comes from, all right? To purchase them was to ransom them. There was a ransom for them. And that price was paid, not by those who were held, but by those who were liberating them. Uh, This word was used to include freeing slaves by paying a price. There were those who were slaves, and they couldn't set themselves free, but others could set them free, but only by a price paid. Among the Jews, the word could also be used for release of a prisoner under a death sentence. I believe it's in uh, Exodus, I should have looked it up. Uh, Anyway, some guy's ox got away and gored a dude and killed him. And they could be under the penalty of death unless someone redeemed them. And they could be redeemed at a price. So we see this issue of captivity. And we were captive to sin. There was no shaking it. There was no getting away from it. There was no wiping it out of our lives. We were prisoners to it. So there's captivity. And then there's freedom. That's something that every captive wants, by the way. I can't imagine that anybody wants to sit and follow a yellow line their whole life. They want out. They want to be set free. And freedom comes at a cost. And this redemption that is being spoken of costs the Son of God his life. His blood was spilled out. But I want you to know that the analogy of ransom breaks down. Okay? This metaphor that often gets used ransom to pay someone, to set someone free. Well, when you ask this question who's getting paid? Oh, that analogy just blows up, okay? All right? Who, who's, who's getting the payment on this, on this ransom? It falls apart. Because you're not going to say, well, he paid Satan. No. His holiness wasn't offended. Nor did he have the power, or does he have the power, to demand such a ransom. So, all analogies break down, by the way. I mean, they just do. We try our best, but that's what happens. uh, Who's getting paid? Well, it wasn't Satan. And let me tell you, we're never told outright who gets the payment. We don't want to say, well, it's the Father who gets the payment, because... The implication of that is that he was the one holding them in captivity of sin. But it is the Father, I believe, who receives the payment because of the offense to his holiness that sin is. It's best just for us to understand that we get the idea. Christ became sin for us. He paid the price. Our sins were laid on him. The debt has been paid. That's good news. I love it when debt's paid. Don't you? Talked about that a little bit last week, about things getting paid off. It's nice for debts to be gone. So it speaks of those being prisoners and those needing to be set free. What is this redemption? Well, Scripture tells us it's the forgiveness of sins. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. In him, that is Christ... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I'll stop there. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's definitive. It defines what's happening in that redemption. The price paid is the blood spilt. Without blood, there is what? No forgiveness of sins. So we're justified through the pouring out and spilling out of the blood of the Son of Jesus Christ. Through grace that is a gift. By grace, through with Christ, the work that Christ has done on the cross. It's forgiveness of sins. In Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, it says this, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, that's Christ, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Redeems them from the transgressions. These things that bind. These things that hold. It's the forgiveness of sin that we're looking at here. Our sins have been laid on him, Isaiah fifty-three. Who doesn't love that that chapter? Isaiah fifty-three in chapter fifty-three of Isaiah, the prophet is laying out these truths concerning uh, the Savior and our transgressions, and that He was pierced for them. In verse four of Isaiah chapter three, surely. gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. My sin on him. Your sin on him. Not for you to bear. For him to bear. The price is paid in him being pierced. For our iniquities. His blood poured out and spilt out. He suffered death as a payment to the father whose holiness had been offended. It pleased the father later on in uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah to crush him. Because in that, the wrath of God was satisfied. We're saved through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Him bearing our sins. Can you count them? Can you even come close to putting a number to how much you have sinned in your life? Not just that we're sinners by the nature and by the work of Adam, whose sin was imputed to us. We're sinners. But I'm talking about the active sin. Can you name them? Can you count them? Can you imagine the space that... Your sins could take up. Would they fill this room? Just one of us? And he laid on him the iniquity of Rick D's everybody else who would call on the name of the Lord. A price has been paid. I called it that so I could come back and say, not merely a price, but the price, the only price that could be paid has been paid. There was only one who could pay it. and That is Jesus Christ, which is where all of our faith goes, where all of our hope it lies. Redeemed, price paid. This price has been paid, but I want you to know Result of that. I already said the forgiveness of sins. Come on, Rick. You're losing it, man. I mean, Josh was talking about that steel cage. <laughs> no. You see, the forgiveness of sins, not all that redemption does. The price being paid is not merely. And only that we've been forgiven. Turn a page over, maybe not even that far if you've got small print, okay? To Romans chapter 6. I read this during my pastoral prayer. Chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Why? So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. (laughs) I've been forgiven. That's great. But in my forgiveness, I still have the capacity to sin. As a Christian, I can still sin. I still do it. I shouldn't do it. But I'm kind of like old Paul in Romans chapter 7. I can't wait to get there. I can. It'll be a while. The things I want to do, I don't do. Things I don't want to do, I keep on doing those. Anybody else there? There's some perfect ones in here. We don't use that as an excuse. We use it as a reality. We don't use it at all. We just recognize, okay. But we plow through and keep striving for holiness. But what does it say here? So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I've never been in prison except for what I told you. But if I were, the day of release would be the greatest day of my life up to that point. I would want out. Where are you going? I don't know but I'm not bound by this anymore. I have some instructions to follow this way. I think that's where I'll go. I have some direction to go and follow a different way than what I've known here in this place. Where sin is all there is. Every thought captive to sin. i got to get out of here. And the only thing that unlocks that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That work on the cross. The power of sin has been broken. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 2. I, I'm going to hurry. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen, speaking of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and he, how he became like the children. Since therefore Hebrews two fourteen, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same thing, so that so that through death he couldn't die before that. By the way. He might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. He doesn't just destroy the devil. He doesn't just destroy the the things of of death. He doesn't just destroy sin and forgive it. Look what he does. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. All we knew. He set us free. Set free. Liberated. Wonderful. Glorious news. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Speaking of captives, again, don't be captive to philosophy and empty deceit. Why not? Because Jesus has set you free from that. He says here that God made alive together with him us, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. There it is. I love that. Forgiven. All my sins gone. All my sin, past, present, and future. Forgiven. Wiped away by the blood of the Lamb. And then look what it says. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How did he do that? He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. There it is. Glorious redemption. And what did he do? Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. You can't hold them. He set us free. Liberated. Some people try to set themselves free, and they try to do things and walk a particular way and look a particular way. They say all the right words, and they do all the right things, and they wear all the right clothes, and they follow all the right cultures, all the right patterns of people who are Christians. That redeems nothing. That's just a whitewashed tomb. That's all that is. There's no effect whatsoever on your standing before God. Clothes you wear, how you look, no standing. What does? Shed blood of Jesus Christ takes away our sin, sets us free to walk in righteousness. Isn't that great? You couldn't do it. You couldn't live toward righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that what he does with sin in canceling it always precedes uh, him setting us free to walk in that. We don't walk a certain way and then get our debt canceled. We don't walk a certain way and Then everything's fine. No. You know the old Charles Wesley song? Oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. Breaks the power of canceled sin. Listen to that phrase. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Wesley got that one right. He breaks the power Of canceled sin. Sin that has been paid for. Sin that has been canceled. Sin that has been rendered powerless. He breaks it. In your life. We say, I just can't do this anymore. This is so hard. He breaks the power of canceled sin. You know, this is just too hard to bear. I mean, I've got this illness. I've got this terminal thing. I don't know that I can endure this. But he breaks the power of canceled sin. You would walk in a new way. Mind you, just a couple of chapters before, Paul was just breaking down every argument that a sinner could throw at him. And he kept telling all of them, you're hopeless, you have no hope in that. That is nothing. You keep telling me these things, that's nothing. And here he's pouring out something. The blood of Jesus Christ and him alone. That is the currency of forgiveness. That is the currency of salvation. And there is no other. Only the blood of Christ, only the work of Christ on the cross can forgive. And not only forgive, not only take away your sins, but also empower you to walk as He has called you to walk. It's there. If you have trusted Christ, if you have repented of sin, that power is in you to live and to walk as He has called you. And it's the power of the cross, power that redeems. power that liberates, not for you to do what you want, but to walk in the righteousness of Christ. To walk in the righteousness that He has called you to. To walk and to live toward holiness and for the holiness of God. That's what He's called us to. Let's be those people. Let's be the people who walk in that way. Not in judgment of others. That's not our job. That's God's job. Oh, we can be discerning and know that's wrong and that's right. But instead, walking in a way That's pleasing the God that shows the liberty that He's poured out and delivered us from. So that when we speak to others, we speak to them about the beauty of the work of Christ, the gospel that saves. Redemption, it's only in Christ, and it forgives and sets you on a new course. That's what he's called us to. Let's walk in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for setting us free from sin. We have no reason, no excuse to walk in sin as believers. But we find ourselves stumbling often. And Lord, I pray that you would not let us give up day in and day out. That when we fall, we keep trusting in the same one who has saved us and delivered us and set us free toward righteousness from sin. Lord, I want to thank you that your salvation Is extreme that you deliver us from death into life. That's an extreme salvation. And I want to thank you, Lord, that not only do you give us life, but you empower us to live. And so, Lord, let us be submitted. To you and to your ways, and help us to endure to the very end. In Jesus' name.